Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a breakdown podcast for y'all with the Auburn matchup against Mississippi State coming up tomorrow. Got Cadillac Williams in his first game as the interim head coach. This will be his Auburn debut against the Bulldogs in Starkville under the lights at 630. Auburn is about just right under a two-touchdown two dog. And really, this is just kind of a kind of a low expectations game. Not anyone in the media really is predicting Auburn to win this game with the firing of Brian Harson earlier this week. Cadillac's almost playing with house money, but we'll break down all the aspects of this game and all the kind of finer points. But to start off, we'll kind of talk about kind of the game within the game with Auburn against Mississippi State earlier this week with Auburn poaching Mississippi State's athletic director, John Cohen. Wheeler, you know, we've talked about the athletic director situation a lot on this podcast with all the different names that were flying in. It seemed like this hire took a little bit longer than it should have. A lot of, lot of just head-scratching moves throughout this entire thing. But Auburn found the guy that they liked. Auburn hired the guy that they liked. And, you know, John Cohen is the, the next AD at Auburn. So just give us your thoughts about how, how the whole search went, your thoughts throughout that whole thing. And then with Cohen being the guy – how you feel about that and how you feel about Cohen long-term for Auburn University. Um, I personally didn't think that it was a terrible thing that the AD search took as long as it did. I didn't think that there was necessarily a rush to get it done um, until the Arkansas game happened. And I think that Roberts kind of had a good idea of how long he had before he was going to need to fire Brian Horson. I think he had a good idea that, whether Rich McGlynn was going to be the permanent AD or not, <clears throat> that he would, you know, assist in firing Harson, uh, firing whoever else on the staff needed to be uh, removed and kind of promoting from within. So I don't think that he, <clears throat> when your interim is a guy that he's getting serious consideration for being the full-time guy, I can see where your sense of urgency is not necessarily that high. Because, I mean, what are you going to – I mean, it's just not that different. So, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I would have liked to see Rich McGlynn become the athletic director personally. Um, I think that John Cohen is fine. I don't know that he's worth $1.5 million. Um, I think that part of the reason they may have done that is just to show Mississippi State, hey, you're still Mississippi State. You know, we can take your athletic director if we want to. Um he has connections with the guy that you want to be your next coach. He has connections with Lane Kiffin. He has connections with Deion Sanders. Um, it is concerning, um, you know, that he's more of a baseball guy, and I feel like our baseball program didn't necessarily need influence from him. 
Um, but he's also a facilities guy. I think that he will bulk up the facilities at Auburn. And I think that he kind of showed – this move showed me that NIL is a, is a big part of college athletics in deciding where you're going to take a job. And so I could see that being something to look at going forward with coaching searches as well is that Auburn's NIL collective is very, very strong. And that's going to matter to a lot of people who are inside of the athletics department. Um, So all of that being said, I think it's a fine hire. I don't think that there's anything inherently bad about Cohen. I don't know that there's, you know, that you gained a whole lot over promoting Rich McGlynn. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's a man, but man in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Because really Auburn's made a lot of hires recently that were not meh. They were bad. Um, This guy has SEC experience. He knows the lay of the land. He knows what Auburn's like. He knows what the SEC is like. Um, People criticize the fact that he hired Joe Moorhead. And uh, I don't think that that was a terrible – I mean, you have to consider where he's working when you look at the hires that he made. I mean, he's he's hiring for a school that is not the easiest to hire to, you know? He, I mean, he's replacing the best coach your school has ever had. Um, and honestly, Joe Moorhead did not leave the cupboard that bare. I mean, Leach came in with a fairly solid program that just had trouble finishing games off. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be good. I think – that there is more unity at Auburn than before. I think that a lot of the people at Auburn are tired of the national narrative that Auburn can't get unified over anything. And so I I think that you're going to see with this new football coach hire with Cohen, I think a lot of the people in Auburn are really trying to put their best foot forward and unify together as a university um, and kind of take our athletics to the next level. Yeah, and for for anyone kind of wanting a, a bit of a, a little bit of a background on John Cohen, he was born in Tuscaloosa. Ironically, he uh, attended Mississippi State. He attended Birmingham Southern first, but transferred to Mississippi State. Played there for the majority of his college career. Became a college coach at Missouri as an assistant. Was a coach at Northwestern State and assistant at Florida starting in two thousand two. The head coach of Kentucky from 04 to 05, or oh four to oh eight and the head coach at Mississippi State from 09 to 2016. And after 2016, he was promoted, or I guess it's not necessarily a promotion. He was moved to a different position as the athletic director instead of a head baseball coach. And he held that position until 2022, obviously, when he was hired at Auburn. Um, a little bit of kind of an interesting interesting thing to note, current Auburn head baseball coach Butch Thompson was actually an assistant for Mississippi at Mississippi State from 09 to 2015. So he spent – pretty much his entire, you know, Mississippi State coaching career under John Cohen. So Butch is very familiar with Cohen. They work together a lot. So that kind of gives you a little bit of background as to who John Cohen is. He's had tons of SEC experience. He is an SEC guy. I mean, through and through, you know, he he's a, he's a guy that knows, he knows the SEC. And so when you kind of look at it, I, I think that my biggest – my biggest complaint mainly about the whole search is about how a little bit of how long it took, but also how little unity there seemed to be. You know, you mentioned, you know, it, it seems like a lot of the coaches, 
said after when they were reacting to John Cohen getting hired, they were talking about how it's so important that they need to get behind him and, you know, put on what you were just talking about and look like it's all, you know, everyone's together. And I don't doubt that that's what Butch and Bruce and William, like all these guys are doing. I don't doubt that's what they're doing, but I don't think they knew anything during the search. And I think that's something that I don't really love is I think that it was, we just kind of were running around with like a chicken with our head cut off and Roberts was going to hire his guy without really consulting many of the other coaches. And I think that now they're kind of like, well, we didn't really have a say in this guy, but we don't really have a choice but to support him 100% because the national media has been talking about how Auburn's just an absolute train wreck and nobody supports anybody. So there are a couple of things that I, you know, disagree with how everything was handled. But regardless, the guy's been hired, and I do agree with you. It, it is a good – I do think it's a good look for Auburn poaching a guy from Mississippi State that it is still – even when Auburn's athletic department as a whole might be good, but everyone's talking about football, how bad it is. Auburn's still making moves and saying, hey, we have more money than you guys, and we're still a really good athletics program, and we're going to hire whoever we want. And that's a similar mentality that we're going into kind of with our head coach, you know, our head football coaching search with guys like Lane Kiffin and, you know, Hugh Freeze even. You're looking at those guys, and Auburn is – going to be looking to flex their muscles as an elite program and hire whoever they want. So that is something that I think is, is good. I don't think Cohen will be an absolute horrible hire. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be incredible. I don't think he'll be bad. I think he will be fine. I think he is a status quo kind of guy. I think that if you hire a good head football coach in this cycle, he'll be fine. And we're going to have Bruce, we're going to have Butch, we're going to have whoever our next football coach is. We're going to have a lot of coaches that have their own plans. We're going to have a lot of coaches that are going to be here for a while. Like we said a couple of weeks ago, this AD doesn't have to make that many hires. We're fine when it comes to hires for you know the foreseeable future. So we'll see how it goes. But something I thought was interesting, Mississippi State's NIL collective raised $500,000 in the 72 hours after John Cohen was – you know, left to come to Auburn. And I just thought that was funny of how, just how offended the Mississippi State fan base was. And a lot of their donors were just so mad that they didn't have the kind of money that Auburn did, that they all just started writing checks left and right. But regardless, Auburn's got $13 million in NIL sitting in the bank and they're ready to use it. So that kind of, that kind of wraps up the, you know, the, the Auburn, AD situation and you know it just came just breaking right now uh Justin Hokinson just tweeted out TJ Finley will not be traveling to Mississippi State with Auburn this has been a rumor it's kind of been going around the past couple of days that TJ Finley would enter the transfer portal it's looking like there are legs to that rumor but obviously nothing's confirmed right now but you know it's not that much of a difference especially when it comes to our game plan with Robbie Ashford going to be the starter so that kind of can shift into our discussion with the Mississippi State game. We either just give us your bare thoughts on what you think of Mississippi State as a team this year and how you think Auburn matches up with them on paper. Well, first of all, just talking about the T.J. Finley thing, um, not surprising at all. I, I figured that he had basically entered the transfer portal when last week they asked him to go in the game and he said, no, I'm not burning my red shirt. Um, so I'm not sure why we would travel a quarterback that went asked to go into the game is concerned about his red shirt, um, as if one more red shirt year is going to be the difference in him going to the NFL. Um, 
I think his best shot is if the XFL is still in existence um, because the USFL, I think, is above his head at the current moment. Um, who knows? Maybe some Division II school will be very happy to get the services of old TikTok Finley. Um, so, good riddance. Uh, not sad to see him go. If anything, I think this <laughs> benefits the team that we don't have to run him out there to have a turnover tomorrow. Um, you know, sorry. Uh, uh, Mississippi State, yeah. Interesting to see how they run their offense because Leach, obviously, everyone knows, runs the air raid. Auburn's defense, honestly, has done pretty okay against the passing game all year long. Where we are just really getting gashed in games has been the running game. Does Mississippi State try and do their game plan solely around Auburn, or do they say, no, our passing game is this good that we're going to determine that even though it's the strength of y'all's defense and there is a clear weakness in the run stop, that we're just going to throw the ball? Honestly, I think that's Auburn's best chance to win is that the air raid goes and that we tackle well. There are already reports coming out that, you know, Cadillac this week for practice – um, he shortened practice by 30 minutes, but there was an uptick in physicality. My guess when they say uptick in physicality is they practiced the tackling because last week the guys were in the right position. Like the, the coordinator, Schmetting, he called a great game. The players knew their keys. They were in the right place. And they just, I mean, they were just struggling to make the tackle, just getting the ball carrier to the ground. Now, some of that, was that Arkansas, the guys that they were struggling to tackle are well-known for being very difficult to tackle because they're just massive. I mean, K.J. Jefferson is just ridiculously large for being a quarterback. Um, And I know a lot of people got frustrated by the stiff arm. That is a massive man. Like, that DB, I can't remember off the top of my head. It may have been Kaufman. It may have been Puckett. It was Puckett. That, That was not a bad effort by Puckett. Like, he was doing what you do, textbook to tackle, and he just had a large man put his hand out and just throw him down. I mean, it happens. Everybody is a Deion Sanders fan. There's a video of Deion talking about when he met Bo Jackson and he hawked Bo from across the field and Bo just threw him down like a child. Like, Deion was going to go on to the NFL. It doesn't mean that you're a bad player. So, I think that was some of it. I don't know that Mississippi State is quite as physically uh, imposing as Arkansas is. I think that's kind of Arkansas's M.O. Um, And I think that if the defense is able to improve on tackling and Mississippi State shows a commitment to the passing game, that we actually have a pretty good shot of slowing them down on, uh, on offense or when we're on defense. The other thing is that air raid system, a lot of the time, they like quick passes that get the ball out of the quarterback's hand really quickly which also plays into Auburn's advantage because our defensive line, ever since Eku Leota has been out, has struggled a little bit to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, So, no, I mean, I think that as far as – I think that our defense actually matches up somewhat well with Mississippi State. And I think for our offense, I think it's really hard to say because we don't know what kind of offense we're going to run. I mean, it's going to be the same playbook. But, you, I mean, within the same playbook, you can draft totally different schemes by who's calling plays. And so to have a guy that was not even in the consideration of calling plays 
calling plays now. Like, you don't know what you're going to see. And that's going to show up big, I think, in the first half for Auburn, too, that Mississippi State doesn't have any tape on Will Friend and what his play calls are, or Ike Hilliard. I'm not exactly sure how having two OCs at the same time is really going to go. Um, That was kind of odd to me. I mean, I guess LSU kind of did that with uh, Doug Nussmeyer and uh, Joe Brady. National, huh? Ensminger. Ensminger, yeah. Anyway, they did that, but it was real. I don't know. It was kind of like it, it was weird. Was the the play caller, but they had Joe Brady kind of coming up with a lot of the plays to run during the week. Was how mm-hmm. I understood how LSU did it. Um, and then Cadillac talking about, you know, staying up at the facility, I think he said on Tiger Talk, till 1, 2 in the morning every night this week. I mean, I think it's partially because recruiting has gotten a lot different. My impression is that Auburn is going after a lot of recruits that the staff wanted to go after that Brian Harson was passing on that want to come to Auburn. I think that you're going to see a pretty good visit list coming for the Texas A&M game. Um but I think it's a lot of – I think they were drawing up an entirely new game plan. And so I think it's really difficult to sit here and predict on Friday afternoon how Auburn's offense is necessarily going to match up with Mississippi State's defense because we don't know what kind of offense they're going to run out there, um, which is very exciting. I, I cannot wait. I have not been this excited for an Auburn football game in a long time. I think that this has the potential to be a really enjoyable game to watch with a lot of side storylines um, coming out afterwards. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, you mentioned how we're kind of not sure of what we're going to see, but we're excited to see it. Mississippi State is kind of on the other hand, they're not sure either. So I think it's tougher for them also that they kind of went in, they're like, we know what we're preparing for, and now it all kind of got flipped on its head. They don't really know what they're preparing for. And the thing is, they were on a bye week. So they spent an entire week preparing for this game and it ended up not happening, you know? So I think that that's kind of a kind of something to look at. But regardless, when you look at Mississippi State's, you know, the, their 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 season so far, they scored 49 against Memphis, 39 against Arizona, 16 against LSU in a loss, 45 against Bowling Green. 42 against Texas A&M, 40 against Arkansas, 17 against Kentucky, and six against Alabama. So it seems to me when they play a halfway decent defense, they do struggle a little bit. The issue is Auburn's defense, I don't know if I'd say it's halfway decent. And so when you look at kind of their just their box scores, they've really struggled in the past two weeks when it comes to offense. Now, granted, Kentucky and Alabama are the two best defenses that they have played this season, but – they have 23 points combined in the past two weeks. And for an air raid offense, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for, you know, high scores. You're looking for scoring the scoring the football. So from Auburn's perspective, I think that defensively, you have to be encouraged by the fact that you can look at two models of the past two games that they've played and see what works. It's not like we're tasked with finding a way to stop them. It's not like it was 2019 against LSU when Kevin Steele had to find out how to stop one of the greatest offenses in college football history, which he did, by the way. But when you're looking at this, this is a good offense that was putting up a lot of points that he has seen back-to-back weeks, how they get shut down. So I think that's kind of a good sign for Auburn that the defense can really see that and measure into that. And let's be honest, 
Auburn's defense, and I know it was Derek Mason, but a lot of the guys that were playing in that game, they know what works, you know? Like, we did a great job for the majority of the game, and then they Mississippi State made adjustments to our three-man rush, and we didn't change anything. But even then, Schmetting was on that staff that helped create that game plan last year, and Mississippi State's offense is the exact same. They don't change their offensive game plan. So I think that's something – and kind of a less talked about storyline is that Auburn's defense, while they're not very good, they seem to match up better against Mississippi State than they have matched up against any other SEC team. And I think that's encouraging when you're looking at it from that perspective. Offensively, I think it's like we said on the last podcast, we're just going to run the ball. Like, I think that it's going to be a game where we come up with possibly more kind of exotic looks, more motion and stuff like that. But I don't really expect this to be a game that Robbie Ashford throws for 300 yards for. I think this is going to be a game where, you know, Tank and Robbie and Jarquez are just hitting the ground running. They're going to be physical, kind of, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. And so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, judging by the personnel of our team. But I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm, I'm encouraged by just the potential of what we could see on Saturday. And it's just exciting to see – when it's like you have a new coach, you know, you have a new coach. You don't have necessarily the entire off season to build hype for what you're going to expect in week one, but you've had the whole week to get excited for what Cadillac can do and what Cadillac can show. You can see the energy around Auburn is significantly different this week than it has been any other week this season. You see the team, they had one of their best practices on Tuesday that they said, like the energy is different. I think this was something that we did need. You know, we talked about, how it just kind of became lackluster and it just wasn't, it wasn't a good feel, but I would say that that is changing. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see if we go down and we just give up like we have the past few weeks, you know, it, it'll be off or not. But I do think that the energy this week has been better than any other energy we've seen in the past month. And I think that that'll translate to if you ever, if you see some adversity, it's easier to overcome it. You know, when you have a different guy leading, leading the ship, I think that there's going to be a little bit, little bit different of just watching the guys and how they react to things. I think it's going to be very different than it has been in the past few weeks. I totally agree. I think, you know, I think the effort was struggling a little bit in the second half last week. I think that the energy throughout the complex this week was a lot. I think that the guys really want to win for Cadillac. Um, I don't think they want to, you know, I think it's very a very tumultuous time. And I think that the team hopefully will be brought together by that um, and that they'll have a really good showing. And, I mean, if you win this one, you start really seriously considering the possibility of making a bowl game. Um, Because you win this one, I think next week is going to be even more juiced. I think even if you are close this week, I think next week is going to be juiced. Night game in Jordan here, I think people are going to come out to support Cadillac. Um. But if you win, I mean, people are going to be really excited about the potential of making a bowl game, and you have a you have a chance to do something special with these last four games. Which even really you should go into the Birmingham Bowl. But yeah, like I think you know, with, with what you're saying about the bowl game, you should make a bowl if you beat Mississippi State. Mississippi State beat Texas A and M by you know 18 points, and Western Kentucky is the non-conference opponent. That yes, they're I mean they're not bad, but we should win that game. So I think. You know, not trying to just interrupt you, but I think that if we do beat Mississippi State, the expectation shifts to 
from we're going three and nine to, oh, we are probably going to make a bowl game. And if we don't, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that making the Birmingham Bowl after what this season has entailed would actually be a very significant accomplishment, um, regardless of what happens in that bowl game. And I think, you know, a new coach coming in, having bowl practices is so, so helpful um, for them to get a read on the roster um, and what you kind of have in the, them getting to see actual practices take place. So it'd be really big if they were able to make a bowl game. Um, and then I, I don't know. So right now there is a high chance of rain earlier in the day. That could also play a factor if the rain kind of lingers into game time with Auburn being more of a run-focused team than Mississippi State. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something to watch because if you're planning on throwing the ball 50 times a game and it's pouring down rain, you know, that's tough to do. And, you know, I, I would say that Auburn definitely has an advantage if this turns into just a running, running the football game. But we'll see about that. The last I checked the forecast, it, it's supposed to slow down, but, you know, you can never never really tell. But, yeah, I definitely think that Auburn's ground game is would be a massive advantage if it starts, you know, pouring down rain. But to build on what you said about the bowl game, the the one thing that I would just bring to the people's attention is that stumbling into a bowl game and winning is significantly different than earning your way and fighting your way to a bowl game and winning. So winning the Birmingham, beating Houston in the Birmingham Bowl, it, I mean, it really does very little, you know. I mean, you lost five straight games and then you beat Houston. And you're like, okay, whoop-de-doo, we won the Birmingham Bowl hot dog. With this, though, it's like, okay, we we have three wins in week nine, and then all of a sudden you turn it around, get a new coach, win three out of your next four, make a bowl game, win your bowl game. You've won four out of the last five with, in all likelihood, that fifth loss or that one loss being against a, you know, top five team in the country. That 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 helps establish a winning culture and builds towards momentum. And then if you do it, have a good, have a good signing day that adds even more momentum. And that just gives you a lot of momentum going into the spring and going into the summer, going into the next season. And that does matter. I mean, the, the momentum that, that helps the perception of your program helps the media perception of your program hypes you up a little bit. It's just very different. And I know that nobody wants to hear the Birmingham bowl, but if we were to make a bowl game, it would be a significantly better situation than it was last year, despite last year's team probably being a better roster. I think that that's the, the biggest thing that changes perception. But, you know, the the last kind of segment into this podcast, just either give us your, your biggest, your key players, a key player on offense and a key player on defense that you think will be the most important player to watch for Auburn and then just wrap it all up with your prediction for tomorrow night's game. Well, it's really tough to say one player on offense because I just want to say the offensive line. Um, but I will say whoever is playing left guard because that's kind of been a position where you've been rotating different bodies. You know, we talked about it on the last episode about how it, it doesn't really seem to make very much sense how you have um, – Cam Stutz going in the game. And, I mean, Cam's done a pretty good job. 
you know, I mean, he knows his assignment. I feel like you don't see the really bad bus on Cam's side of the ball compared to the right side is really where you see a lot of the other difficulties. But I'm intrigued to see whether it's Jeremiah Wright or, you know, our friend Cam Stutz starting at the left guard position because that's been a position that's really determined whether or not Auburn's been able to run the ball the past couple of games. I mean, when you when you put right in, you all of a sudden have these massive holes opening up over there with Killian's ear. And so, yeah, I think that if I had to do one position, I would say that on offense. And then I would say whatever linebacker is alongside Owen Papo, um, Wesley Steiner has really improved in getting to the ball carrier if he can just get the guy down. That would be huge because it seems like he's going to play over Cam Riley, um, whether he's dealing with a shoulder or with discipline, you know, depending on who you ask. Typically guys that actually have a shoulder problem uh, don't play special teams and not play defense, but hey, shout out to Cam. I'm sure <laughs> there's a real story somewhere in there, um, but he was playing really good football and maybe he can come back and he can play again. So Linebacker opposite of Papo and left guard. Yeah, I think my, mine is similar with, you know, you can't really depend on what the offensive line is going to do. So I would probably say Tank Bigsby for the sole reason that, you know, two years ago, our offensive line, when we went to Starkville, it was Gus Malzahn's last game as Auburn's coach. That was a game where the offensive line didn't necessarily play well. None of the receivers played all that well. Bo didn't play all that well. Tank was Tank had a few plays where you're just like, okay, he's just better than everybody else on the field. And I think this could be a certain a, a similar type of game where we need that kind of performance from Tank, where he just shows everybody that he's the best player on the field. I think that our offense will be kind of led behind Tank, and I think that if the offensive line can get a good push, I think that Tank is going to make a big difference in this game. And I think that the offensive line depends on how much of a difference Tank will make. I think I think Tank is going to have a good game regardless, but defensively I like your pick with linebackers I also think that being able to contain Will Rogers is a big thing and he's not necessarily a mobile quarterback he throws the ball he's a pocket passer but it just seems like a lot of the time when Auburn plays really good passers they seem to beat us a couple times on third downs with running you know it seems like we kind of will lock up the receivers we do everything we're supposed to do and then he escapes and he'll get a first down Joe Burrow did it Mac Jones has done it Will Rogers did a little bit last year, and I think that's just kind of something to watch where I want to stop the quarterback from running the ball. I think that's an important thing with some big third downs, force him then instead of running for that third down, throws it into a tight window, maybe get a pick. I think DJ James, Keontae Scott, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, all those guys are going to have to have the game of their lives. They're going to be covering for a long time. Will Rogers is going to have time to throw. The DBs are going to have to have their best game of the season. So I would say – I agree with your take on the the linebackers. I think the cornerbacks as a whole plus Tank Bigsby are my kind of biggest keys to watch. And obviously Anders Carlson is another one to watch, but more so with kickoffs. That's something that's really bothered me is that the field goal, it's been bad. It's been inconsistent, but the kickoffs is what's really bothering me because when you kick it out of bounds, it puts your defense in such a terrible spot. And I'll be interested to see that with a new coach, 
if Anders Carlson is the guy for the rest of the season or if you go towards McPherson or McGuire to at least go for kickoffs, even if you want Anders to keep doing it, field goals and extra points, if you look towards a different guy to kind of do those kickoffs. But we'll see what happens in the in the coming weeks. But as we wrap up, Wheeler, give us your prediction. Who wins tomorrow night? Uh, I have Auburn 31, Mississippi State 28. Interesting. Interesting. I I've gone I've gone back and forth. I really want to predict an Auburn win and I could see an Auburn win, but I just I don't know. I really don't know. I, I feel like I'll be able I'll, I'll I'll be on one side officially when the game starts, but I think it's a little similar to how it was with my feeling last week. I think if we win, I think it'll be close. I think if we lose, I don't think it'll be close. So I'll be I'll be a little bit different because last week I kind of went with my prediction that Arkansas was going to beat us pretty bad and it happened. So hopefully that trend will keep going and I'll predict that Auburn wins a game. I'll say let's go 27-24. That's that's what I'll go with. So predicting predicting Auburn to escape Starkville with the win. Basically my score. It's okay. Yeah, but a little bit different because I'm I'm typically a little bit more more right. So you know, I think it's the the difference in my score and your score. I think mine's just a little a little more correct. But we'll see. Obviously, we'll be back next week breaking down what is hopefully an Auburn win against Mississippi State, getting some momentum. We'll be breaking down the Texas A&M game. There'll be a night showdown in Jordan Hare, six thirty kickoff. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. And War Eagle, War Eagle.